Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320 The Drive with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. on AM 1320, as well as over the internet, reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution in Major League Soccer. Since the Revs did not have a game this weekend, today's show will talk a little bit more about the other MLS games from this weekend. We'll start with the DC United at Columbus game, a game very relevant to Revs fans, not only because it was between two Eastern Conference opponents, but also because the Revs will be playing DC United th- next weekend. Joining us now over the phone from Michigan is Rola Kell, writer for MLSFan.net and TheCrewFans.com. Rola, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Do you think the crew played better against DC than when they played against the Revs last weekend? No, honestly, I think overall we played just as bad. I saw no improvements from the Revs match and Friday's match against DC. Um, the only reason we got the result was just because, just for the fact that DC had to rest their players um, after playing five matches in 13 uh, days, so... Um, it was basically a varsity against the JV, but you know the, the quote-unquote JV came out big and uh, they held us down. Do you think 1-0 was a fair result, or or were the crew a little lucky that DC didn't finish their chances? Um, right now I think we're the ones that got lucky. Uh, honestly, a one a 1-0 result for us was it was completely different from how the game actually went. Um, DC DC. Uh, yeah, of course, they didn't finish their chances, so we got lucky there. And it, it was basically the fact that, uh, you know, they came out big and we came out uh, not not so strong, and, you know, we took that for granted, and, you know, we we played a horrible game. The result was completely different from what actually happened. And uh, D.C. actually put six shots on target, and Columbus only had two. So John Bush pretty much had a very good game. He managed to save every shot that came at him. He had a couple of great saves, but that really comes as a result of the defense giving D.C. several chances. What were the defense's biggest problems last night? Um, I think it was I think it was pretty much the fact that Ryan Kelly was back there, and he he's inexperienced. And I think right now that the inexperience at the right back position is going to haunt us if if uh, Greg Andrews doesn't play Frankie Haduk in that position if and you know if he keeps putting in some uh, rookies at that position who are unproven then we're going to find ourselves in huge uh, amount of trouble and Frankie Hayduk didn't play that position but uh he was in the lineup uh, unlike against the Revs do you think him being in the lineup did help the crew um kind of uh his crosses were absolutely horrid uh he had one uh, he he'd have one uh, good cross and then right after that he come out with four uh, very horrible crosses and so the in, in his inconsistency really showed up there and uh you know I'm, the only thing that I saw that he you know the only thing that he brought to the lineup that was positive was the fact that he could defend against a guy like Freddie Adu or uh anyone else that would come out and run on the right on that flank so that was probably the only positive side right now he needs to recover from injury, and uh, until we see that, he's not going to be giving us what we really need. So if Manny Lagos was in that side, it would be no different from having Frankie Hayduk. 
what position uh, did you think the crew most desperately need to improve at to become a championship caliber team? On the wings. I think the wings, if we can get better wing players, and uh, right now we're uh, we're pending on uh, Mario Rodriguez from Guatemala, and if he comes into the lineup and gives us po- uh, some positive uh, performances, then I think we will be a better team. But until then, if we don't improve our wings, then our overall midfield is going to be very lackluster and uh and we all know that a good mid, uh, good midfield leads to good defense, and it definitely leads to good offense. So if we don't have a good midfield, then we're not going to be a number one contender in the East or in the whole MLS altogether. Yeah, Columbus's defense has a lot of good players like Mark. I mean, uh, like Hey Duke, who are good defensive players. But uh, really, as far as pushing forward offensively, uh, they have younger players like Testo and Zatella who aren't really proven, and Martino who. Has has had a pretty good year, and last year I mean we had a pretty good year, but he's pretty inconsistent. And r- really, do you think the the midfield they have now, if they if they keep playing with the current lineup and they don't make any roster ch- roster changes, where do you think they'll be in the standings? Um, right now I think that we will be right in the middle or in the bottom if we don't make changes. And I hope that Greg and Julius can see to it that he will make those changes. But like, but like the question you asked, if if we don't make those changes in the midfield, then we're not going to get far. And uh, speaking of Andrulis, do you think his tactical choices this year have been spot on? I know last year there was a lot of controversy, and the the Columbus crew were knocked out of the playoffs by the Revs. In the second crew, and the second game, Greg Andrulis really chose to play a different lineup than he had been sticking with for the rest of the year that had gotten him to where he was. Do you think this year he's been making the right tactical choices, or were there things that you think he could have done better? Um, right now, I don't think he's making the right choices, uh, but to be honest, he doesn't have uh, many options with all the injuries that have been occurring and recurring. Uh, he's been forced to play unproven defenders at the right back spot, so that's really hurting us. And these defenders, these defenders like Ryan uh, Kelly and Mark Schulte, they're not proven. They're not automatically proven like Chad Marshall was. Right, uh, right out of college, and uh, we don't really know who uh, Mark Schulte is. He played overseas for in Iceland, and he played for Dayton University. But besides that, who is he? You know. Yeah. So uh, it's pretty much it's pretty much that we don't have as many options as we'd like to have in uh, those positions. So we're for, he's forced to put uh, those players in, and if we don't have if we don't make the changes. Um, from the front, if the front office doesn't make changes that are necessary for a good lineup, or if our injuries don't dis- just somehow disappear, then we're going to be uh, honestly, we're going to, you know, not have that great of a season, and we're going to be devastated. Who are some of the players that uh, Columbus has that aren't really at full strength and are struggling with injuries that, if fully healthy, you think would help the crew? Uh, definitely Ross Pauly. If we had Ross Pauly in midfield. It'd I definitely would be so much better. Uh, Duncan Owen, uh, our defense would be stronger there, and he's been known to at least uh, push the ball up as well as play defense. If uh, Chris Winger was uh, at, uh, was 100%, which uh, yesterday I'm sure he wasn't 100%, but he did, I mean, Friday, uh, sorry, if he saw time in the game against D.C. So, you know, once he's back, everything will be fine. Um, you know, like I said, Paulie, if he's he's uh, 
if he recovers from his concussion, which hopefully, you know, somehow he does, then, hey, we're going to be, we're, I think we're going to have options there in the midfield and things will go fine. But until then, uh, we need to find a replacement for Ross Pauly. Do you think playing with uh, veteran Ante Razov has made Edson Vettel a better player? He's one of the top scorers in the league right now um, with with his goal last night, and I think he had a couple of assists in the 3-0 one. Actually, uh, yeah, Ante Razov alone, um, as a target man, he hasn't done his job, but to free up Edson Buttle, he has done a good job with that. Uh, Edson Buttle, obviously, you can see with the results he's gotten, he, there has to be a reason why he scored it, and that's because uh, Ante Razov has, is a dangerous striker, and if he can be free, then uh, that, you know, and he's going to score goals, but defenders can't defend against both Edson Buttle and Ante Razov, who are both equally jealous. I mean, uh, who are both equally just as strong, so uh, and dangerous. So once you um, once you mark up on one guy, you you have a free man in the box, and that's that's in bottle right now. Do you think off the field, uh, Ante Razov has been maybe giving Edson Bottle a little advice, being a player who's been in the league a lot longer than Bottle, and oh, yeah. maybe that has oh, helped yeah. him as well? Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, that's that's how the crew, how the crew team, that's how uh, the Columbus crew is. Um, they, you know, they stick as a, they stick together as a cohesive squad and off and on the field. And uh, so I'm sure that he has given him advice and probably has given other guys advice too, uh, especially the younger strikers that are coming up. As far as the goal Columbus scored, the Columbus scored. Do you think if uh, Troy, if Troy Perkins hadn't been in, the regular starter Nick Romano had been, and you think he had a chance at that, or do you think that was just a good goal? I think it was a. I think it was a, probably a pretty good goal. There's nothing that um, Troy Perkins can do. He had to come out, and he had a bunch of inexperienced defenders and uh, in the box, and they, they and you know they basically uh, blocked off his view on that. But if there's anything that could have prevented that, maybe if uh, Nick Ramondo was in goal, he would have been more vocal about uh, his defenders spreading out and giving him more space to look at the box and who, see who's uh, uncovered and see where the ball could go. So maybe that if Nick Ramondo was in goal, that would have happened. And D.C. Uh, and the CONCACAF Champions Cup actually were playing Pumas away up in the high altitude, and they lost 5 nothing. So that forced uh, head coach Peter Novak to rest several of D.C.'s players. you think that is what cost D.C. the game? Um, it wasn't really much of a... Uh, well, you know... To be honest, yes, because they didn't have their high-caliber players for the most part. Um, so they did, and they were at full strength. Then, sure, it would have been a different game. D.C. would have come out with at least a 4-0 win with the way we were playing it uh, on Friday. So, yeah, in a way, yes, but there's nothing that Peter Novak could have done to prevent, uh, to uh, control that. So he had to play his younger players, and I thought they did fairly good job for a bunch of inexperienced players. And D.C. had uh, several younger players like Freddie Adu starting, um, guys like Clyde Sims, Jamil Walker, Santino Carenta. Who are you impressed with of the D.C. squad that was so young out there playing? Um, I got to say I was really impressed with Joshua Gross. Uh, he did a good job considering he, uh, considering the players that he had to 
play against in the midfield, uh, like Kyle Martino. He, he, you know, he, he uh, forced a lot of turnovers in the midfield between Martino and Elliott and Hayduke. So uh, Joshua Gross really impressed me, and I think that he's going to be a player to watch in the future. And Freddie Adu, obviously, is the big name out of that lineup that everyone's heard of. He got the start finally, and really, I didn't think he showed that much. He created one attacking chance that I saw that looked pretty good. But uh, what, what did you think of his play overall? Uh, in the first half of the game, I thought he didn't play as well as uh, the as well as everybody says Freddie Adu will play. And so, uh, in the second half, he had players to work with like uh, Jaime Moreno and. Um, Leko Eskandarian and you know those and Chris and uh, Christian Gomez. When he has the players that he can work with, I'm sure that his confidence, he, you know, he doesn't. He's not going to be as pressured as he would be playing in, in a situation that he was in the first half, where everything was up to his, was on his shoulders, and he had to set people up, and he had to be the playmaker. In the case in the second half, uh, you know, he had guys who can make up. Uh, for what he didn't do and for what, you know, he could do. So, you know, that really cut him some slack. So, overall, he didn't have that great of a game because uh, a guy like Freddie Edzo, with all the hype that's been uh, running through the past season and, you know, the past year, for a guy like him, he should be able to, he should perform uh, better with uh, all sorts of different types of players and all uh, different players on different levels. So, he did not have a good game. And Clyde Sims, really a fairy tale story with him. The U.S. men's national team was out on a, a strike, and he got the chance to call up to that. He's an uh, A-league player. He was an A-league player, and he was called up to the U.S. national team. He impressed Bruce Arena. He actually stayed in the camp even when the strike was over. And on Bruce Arena's recommendation, Peter Novak signed him for D.C. I didn't see him do that much in the game. Was there anything you saw out of him that was promising? I think he was a ghost, to be honest. I didn't really hear much from him. Uh, you know, he didn't. Uh, he didn't make. He didn't set up that many opportunities for DC. Probably played. Uh, probably just played. Did the same thing that every other DC United player did in the first half, and that was try and keep uh, the crew out of their end and try and uh, force the crew to uh, turnovers and. If if that be the case, then I'm sure he probably did a decent job, but I didn't hear much about him, so I don't think he was very existent in the match on Friday. And what were some of the weaknesses you saw out of D.C. that you think the Revs would be able to exploit next week? Um, it's hard to say because uh, the lineup that Peter Novak put out in the first half is much would be much different from what the lineup from the lineup that he's going to put out in uh, against. New England uh, this coming week, so um, you know it's hard to say if, mo- for the most part, uh, it's going to be a really hard-fought match between two good teams. I think that if um, if the Revs can play a good, if the Revs can play good defense, then it will it could go their way, and you know defense is the key. But the Revs have to make sure to not be caught off guard with the D.C. attack, especially with having Michael Parkhurst and um, and Riley in the uh, in the defense. And, you know, I think they're going to end up being good players, but they're inexperienced right now, and they haven't played D.C. So the D.C.'s offense is going to be much different from any other 
team that they've played thus far. And as far as DC's back line, that's something that pretty much probably will stay the same for the Revs game that they've been going with all along. They have some inexperienced players back there, too, like Bobby Boswell and even David Stokes. How did uh, the DC United's back line look against Columbus? Um, Stokes didn't play a great game, and Boswell didn't play a great game. And I have to say, if uh, Mike Petke wasn't in the game, then I'm sure the game would have, the scoreline would have been much different because you would have had Ante Razov, uh, you know, he would have utilized that side, the side that Mike Petke was on. So Mike Petke kept the DC defense in the game with his experience. So I gotta say that him getting the red card against Pumas was a very good uh, thing for DC United. Was able to play against the crew, and that's what actually kept DC into the game. All right, tell me a little bit about it, your uh, website, thecrewfans.com. All right, well, um, I guess my my site pretty much started in 2001. Uh, you know, I was just a young crew fan who wanted to get my own words out there to the public, and from there, you know, it's expanded. Um, you know, I give a lot of credit to those who have. Those uh, people who I've worked with within the past year or so, um, they've done a lot for my site, and you know I really appreciate their work. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, check it out. www.thecrewfans.com. Uh, there's, you know, typically there's a column every weekend written by uh, fellow crew fan as well, fellow Michigan Michigander too. Uh, you know his his columns are really great, and you know you guys would sure love them, even if you're not a crew fan. But you know my site's basically for crew fans by the crew fans. You know we are the voice of Columbus, as it says. Um, we like to put our own opinions out there, and uh, we don't really care for the, crit- uh, the harsh criticism that we get. So that's pretty much all. Well, thanks a lot for joining us on the show. All right, thank you. It's been much pleasure. Thanks. We're going to take a quick commercial break here, and then we should be back with Mike Burns, the new director of soccer with the New England Revolution. Hi, this is Scott McPherson from the Sports Journal Live to tell you about my friends at Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic. Whether you're involved in a sports injury like I was or involved in a motor vehicle accident, Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic will get you back on the road to recovery. The specialists at Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic in Somerset are the area's leaders in physical, occupational, and speech therapy and can help you get through the recovery process with first-rate attention and care. Clifton specializes in sprains and strains, hand and wrist splinting, stroke and neurological rehab, as well as post-surgical rehabilitation. For more information on Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic, call 508-675-7589 or visit them on the web at cliftonhealthcare.com. That's Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic, your first stop on the road to recovery.
At some point in your life, you'll need to see an orthopedist for some type of joint, hand, shoulder, back, or any type of sports-related injury. When that day comes, you want to put your trust in a specialist you know has been building relationships and helping the community for over a decade. That place is West Bay Orthopedics. Located just minutes outside of Providence on Centerville Road in Warwick, Rhode Island, West Bay Orthopedics has been helping New Englanders get back into their lifestyle pain-free. From the football fields of Foxborough to the tennis courts of Newport, West Bay Orthopedics has been an integral part of the recovery process. West Bay has been treating athletes in southern New England and will treat your family with the same professional and courteous manner that has made them the leaders in orthopedics in this region. The physicians at West Bay Orthopedics are the team doctors of Providence College Athletics. West Bay Orthopedics, there for you every step of the way. Looking for an experience like none other? Then why not try the Dana Barrow Sports Complex? With basketball courts, turf fields, batting cages, physical therapy health connection, velocity sports performance, and the DB Fitness Center, it is your first choice in indoor recreational sports facilities. After the game's over, stop by the Trifacta Sports Bar and Lounge. The Trifacta is a sports lounge social club that will give you a panoramic view of the action on the fields or the courts below on either side of the facility. Want to feel like a pro? Play on our two Boston Square parquet floors. If hitting is your thing, then the batting cages run year-round by Red Sox catcher Rich Gedman will be your first choice. Keep your game sharp and always be ready for the season. If soccer or field hockey is your thing, then play on the same turf fields used by professionals. Our fields are perfect for soccer, flag football, lacrosse, and field hockey. We are offering four fields with state-of-the-art surfaces. The Physical Therapy Health Connection has been serving your physical therapy needs for over 20 years. Velocity Sports Performance Training Program teaches you the techniques required to improve speed, strength, power and agility, flexibility, and endurance. That's the Dana Barrow Sports Complex, 31 Oxford Road, Mansfield, Massachusetts, or check them out on the web at www.danabarrows.com. That's www.danabarrows.com. Or give them a call today at 508-337-3100. That's 508-337-3100. Dana Barrow Sports Complex, an experience like none other. In the market for a late model, one odor automobile? Then why not stop by Matthew Auto Sales? On Route 6 in Somerset, you're the area's first choice in late model one owner automobiles. Family owned business for over 40 years? Matthew Auto Sales also has auto glass repair, auto body, and towing services. Come by and see Richie about the good buy of the world. That's Matthew Auto Sales on Route 6 in Somerset. Or check them out at www.matthewauto.com. Or give them a call at 508-678-9033. That's 508-678-9033. And make sure to bring Oscar a doggy bone. Head to the airport for that great getaway. Airport golf, that is. At Airport Golf in North Attleboro, they have more than just the area's best driving range. They have a challenging 18-hole mini-golf course and batting cages that the whole family will love. Swing by the pro shop and take that club that you've had your eye on for a while out to the range for a free demo. You can bring your golf game to the next level at Airport Golf with a variety of lesson packages that will suit you or your whole family. 
At Airport Golf in North Attleboro, they have putting greens, chipping areas, and sand traps that will hone your skills and help you leave the office far behind. Maybe the office needs a bit of a field trip. Airport Golf wants you to have your next corporate event, birthday party, or sports team outing with them. Annual memberships are also available, so fly away from the stress of the day at the airport. Airport Golf on Route 152 in North Attleboro. Visit them online at airportgolfrange.com. And now, back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Burns, the former Revolution player and current New England Revolution director of soccer. Mike, could you tell us a little bit about your career with MLS and with the U.S. national team? Um, yeah, hi, Sean. How are you? Hi, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I started out with the Revolution. Um, I've, I've born and raised in Massachusetts, and when the league started in 96, Alexi Lalas and myself were the first two allocations to New England, and um, that obviously meant a great deal to me because uh, I got to play in front of my family and friends on a regular basis, and uh, it was really the only place that uh, that I had wanted to come and play. Um, so when that happened, it was just tremendous. Um, and now, uh, since my days in New England, which were from '96 to 2000, I then was traded to San Jose, um, then played in Kansas City for a couple of, year, couple of years, and stopped my uh, playing career in MLS in 2002. Um, and I still. I've moved back to Massachusetts, um, reside here with my wife and two children, and um, so when an opportunity presented itself to get back involved with the revolution, albeit in a different capacity, uh, um, you know, I jumped all over it, and I'm, uh, I'm very much uh, looking forward to uh, to getting back into the um, into the organization, um, obviously in a different in a different capacity. But uh, like I said, it, it was a great opportunity, and um, one I'm, it's going to be challenging. I know I have a lot to learn, but uh, I'm very excited. So after retiring, were you hoping to continue in a soccer-related career, and and was it really your ultimate dream to be back with the Reds doing a job like you, you got um, now? Yeah, I mean, since uh, while I was playing, I've conducted camps in Massachusetts throughout the summer for kids. Um, so I've always remained in soccer. Um, the last two years, I've served on the MLS disciplinary committee. Um, so I, I've I've still been involved in soccer. Um, uh, and like I said, when this opportunity presented itself, uh, it was it was one that it was uh, it was just uh, something like I said that I I, I couldn't have, have written it any better. Um, and like I said, I you know as a player, you have a lot of thoughts and ideas of how things are run, are run on the other side. But I have a lot to learn about the organization. I have a lot to learn about how the league is run. Um, but gives, this gives me that opportunity to do that and to be back working with players and coaches. Um, in the front office and, and for the revolution is just um, it, it's, a, it's a great uh, it's just great so as a former player do you think the league has improved a lot over the last 10 years yeah I think without a doubt I mean the level of play has without a doubt um, increased um, stadiums have gotten better they're, they're building soccer specific stadiums um, you know we started out with 10 um, teams we're up to 12 um, and San, another team in San Antonio has been announced for next year so and we have a, uh, a bunch of new owners um, getting involved in the league. So, um, you know, there were a lot of skeptics out there that thought the league would, would not survive three years. And here we are in the 10th year of the league with, uh, with 12 teams, the 13th team coming into the league next year. So it's, uh, it's definitely progressing. And then in terms of on the field, um, without a doubt, I think it, it goes hand in hand. But the level of play in MLS has gotten better. And then, in, you know, and 
in turn, the um, the national team has the, the the player pool has gotten much deeper, um, and they've had uh, a lot of success as well. So it's just given a lot of players an opportunity that probably wouldn't otherwise if MLS wasn't here. Speaking of the national team, you actually had 75 appearances for the U.S. and played in World Cup 98. How was your experience with the national team, and is that really every player's ultimate goal to play internationally for their country? Yeah, I think no matter what you do, um, you want to achieve as high a level as you can. It's certainly no different for a professional athlete, and in soccer, that's that's the pinnacle of it all, is, is playing in a World Cup. So um, to have represented the U.S. 75 times, um, you know, was was great for me. It was a tremendous honor, um, one I never took for granted and never took lightly, and, and to have uh, have you know, to have been on, um, to have gone to two World Cups in 94 and 98, like I said, that's that's really why, that's what everyone in MLS strives for, is to have that opportunity to play for not only for the national team, you know, once or twice, but to represent their country in the World Cup. Like I said, that's the pinnacle for every soccer player, and um, I feel very fortunate to have had the opportunity to do it twice. What are your goals for the revolution this year? Um, obviously, it's like I said, it's a different role for me being in the front office, but um, the goals are no different whether I'm in the front office or on the field. I want the team to be successful. I want the team to win a championship. Um, and I'm there, obviously, to, to, to hopefully aid in that and support um, the players and the coaches and, and kind of whatever has to be done. Um, so, you know, the, the more successful the team is on the field, it, it just it makes it life a lot better and a lot more enjoyable for, for all of us that are trying to, to uh, assist the players in that in that goal. And uh, during your playing career with the Revs, they were no they were a team known for their slow starts, but this year has been different. Uh, do you think it's uh, much more better mentally to get off to a fast start than have, know you're playing from behind and trying to pick up those points? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the the, the parity in the league is such that you know uh, there are a lot of teams uh, that are capable of winning an MLS championship. Um, it's the little things that separate some teams, but I think one of the big pluses for the Revolution this year, as compared to years past, is last weekend they had their first home game um, against Columbus, in which they w- we won three to zero. But um, in years past, because of the the uncertainty of the weather in this area, it had always been three, four, five games into the season before the Revolution had had their first home opener, and I think this in. To get that game early at home and certainly be able to take advantage of it and win helps, but um, it, it, it makes a big difference because people forget that in years past the Revolution had played three, four, five games on the road. One, that's obviously more difficult than playing it at home, and two, you usually play in everyone else's home opener, so they're they're extra excited and extra mo- motivated to win in front of their home fans, but... The fact that the Revolution were able to get a home game early in the season and capitalize on it and get those points, um, I, I think, is great. And you know, to be one zero and one after two games is is just a good start. Um, and you know, I have no reason to be uh, not to be optimistic that uh, things will continue um, throughout the season. And I guess a long-winded answer to your question is, of course, you know, everyone would rather play from, uh, or most teams, anyways, would rather play. Uh, you know, leading the pack as opposed to trying to play catch-up at the end of the season. And uh, speaking of the earlier home opener this year, the field wasn't looking that great, but um, the Patriots used that field to their advantage. Do you think it helped the Revs at all, being uh, they were able to practice on it and Columbus wasn't used to the sand and stuff that was on the surface? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's just one of those things with, with obviously being in New England and because of the, the winters that we have, it's, uh, you know, I, 
to have the field, we talked to the grounds crew, but to have the field in, in tip-top perfect shape, I think, is, is very unrealistic. They do everything they can to get that field um, in the best possible condition. Um, and although it was sandy, and it's, it's, it'll certainly be better on the 30th than it was um, last week, but, um, you know, for me, I look at it as uh, obviously you want a great field, but the bottom line is we're able to capitalize and get three points, and, and that we know the field will get better. And do you think the current Revs roster is capable of winning MLS Cup? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, they struggled a little bit at the beginning of last year, and then they came on and they played really well towards the end of the season last year. And, you know, people forget they were a couple penalty shots away from, from beating D.C. United uh, and getting to the final. And obviously we know D.C. went on and ended up winning it. So we, uh, the team is not far off, um, if, if they're even off. I think they have definitely the makeup this year. There's a confidence about the team that they feel every game they go out they're going to win. Um, and that certainly hasn't been the case uh, in some years past with the Revolution. So it's a good group of guys. Um, and, and, you know, obviously in this league, a big thing is you've got to try to remain healthy, but you've got to be playing well at the right time. And, and we definitely have, I think, the components to do that. And now speaking of D.C., the defending champs, do you, do you think the game coming up against D.C. would be a good measurement of where the Revs are as a team at this point in time? Um, you know, obviously we're going to go down there and try to win the game, but, you know, this early in the season, obviously everyone's going to be gunning for D.C. because they won the championship last year. But I think win, lose, or draw, I think, the, I, I think you know, everyone knows it's a long season um, and a lot will is going to happen in, this, in the time frame between now and the championship. But without a doubt, any time you play the champs, um, you know, you want to win. You want to see where you where you stack up against um, against the best, and, and we're going to go down there and, and, and try to win the game. Do you know if there's any players the Revolution are currently looking at right now? Um, no, I think, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, we're always looking to improve the team. There's, there's no doubt about that, but um, we feel there's a good group right now, and, and, and if a player uh, becomes available that, that the coaching staff has an interest in, then, like I said, we'll look to upgrade in, in, in every position on the field. Um, no one has the, the, the luxury of having... Uh, job security, whether it be starting or, or on the bench, but at this time, um, you know, uh, we have what we have, and, and, you, and you you live with it, and you, and you go on. And the Revs actually have their first reserve league game scheduled for this weekend. Do you know uh, if, as far as the, as the home games for the reserve league, will they be open to the public, and do you know any idea where they'll be played? Um, as far as location yet, um, home, uh, for the home games, we don't know. Um, we're still We're still trying to sort that out. Um, and hopefully in the next week or two we will. But obviously that's another great step, uh, a big step in the right direction for the league in terms of having this reserve league for a lot of players, giving them a chance to have um, 12, you know, real games. Um, where in the past they haven't had that, and a lot of the developmental players have just been basically uh, practice squad players. But this is um, this is like I said, another step in the right direction in terms of of um, of, of the league overall. So. Uh, you know, it'll be great. It'll be a great game for our reserves this weekend as well on Sunday morning down in DC. And do you, do you know though if the home games will be open to the public or are they going to be closed doors? Um, that I that I'm not sure yet. I don't know if the games are going to be open to the public. Um, I think it depends on where they're going to be played. Um, but I do not believe that they're going to be uh, entirely closed doors uh, behind closed door games. No. And what is the team doing in preparation for the upcoming match against DC? Um, actually, since we didn't, you know, obviously it's a long season, so um, um, Steve Nickel gave the uh, gave the team the weekend off because it's one of the few weekends from now until November that, that there's not a game. So, um, and coming off a long preseason, um, he gave the guys um, the week the long weekend off. 
Um, there's training tomorrow afternoon, and then it's just um, you know regular training session. We leave for D.C. on Friday. We play the game on Saturday, reserve game on Sunday. Then we come back to Boston, and um, the following week we were home for a day. Excuse me. Then we go out to Chicago on Tuesday, play Wednesday, home Thursday. So it's um, I think that's another part of the reason why he gave um, the long weekend uh, to the guys to let them have have it off because uh, we got quite a stretch coming up next week. And Thursday, the team played a reserve match kind of against UConn. Only players that are actually been starting are Twelman and Noonan who played in that game. Do you think the team's going to try to schedule some more games against universities like that in addition to the reserve league games to get the players more time? Um, I don't think so at this time just because um, I think that was, scheduled, that was scheduled because we didn't have a game this weekend. But with the reserve games coming up, um, that gave you know, you're going to have the reserve games to play instead of going out and playing college teams. But um, that was a good game. UConn's a good team, and, and, and they came up and, and played our reserves. And it was more to give the reserves a, a run and, and give a couple starters maybe 45 minutes. But I think as the season, as we get more and more into the season, I think you'll see less of that just because um, with the wear and tear of the season, the length of the season, and, and obviously the addition of the reserve games, you won't need those games as much. But, um, you know, that was, that was a good game for both sides. And with the Revs coming off... Uh the Eastern Conference Championship last year in which they lost to D.C. in penalty kicks. Are they raring to get revenge in this game and come back and win it? Yeah, like I, like I tried to say earlier, I mean, I don't. this is not a make-or-break game for, for the team. Um, obviously, you want to go out and you want to win every game. And, um, you know, we played D.C. United four times this year, so to put everything into this game, obviously, uh, you want to win the game. But um, I don't think that the players are looking at it as we have to win this for revenge for last year. This is just one one of 32 games, and we'll go in with the same mindset that we do every game. And, and do you think the team really against D.C. who rested a lot of their players last week, the Revs are rested too, do you think the off week is a good thing at this point in the year, or do you think it's better to have them play the games when they started off with such a fast start? Well, I, I, I'd, I'd probably agree with the second sentence, uh, with your second sentence. You know, you, you're, you're coming off a, a tie, you, then you win. I mean, when you, you, when you kind of have that confidence you get into that kind of momentum you want to keep it going um and i think if if players had their you know if it was up to the players they'd probably rather have a bye week sometime in the summer where you've played a lot of games maybe you have a couple injuries it gives you time to rest but you know to have a bye week the third weekend of the season um when you're playing you know when you've like i said when you've gotten four points in two games i think you know i think majority of the players if not all of them would rather just continue and play games because things are going well um you know, plus obviously the weather is more conducive to playing now than it is in July and August. So, um, but that's that's the way the schedule goes, and you deal with it, and you take the time off when you get it, and uh, and you get ready to go. Do you know if there's any players who are suffering from injuries currently on the Revs or that may may not be able to play against DC? Uh, no, right now we're pretty healthy. Uh, we're pretty healthy. Um, so, no, I expect our, our full uh, you know the full squad to be available for for Steve Nichol to. to pick on next Saturday night. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show. I appreciate it, Sean. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Bye-bye. We're going to go to a quick break here, and we should be back afterwards with Tom Yowes from New Jersey talking about the Metro Stars game.
Whenever the Sports Journal hits the road, they hit the road in style with a town car from Town Car Travel. See how affordable luxury can be? Town Car Travel will bring you anywhere you need to go in style. Town Car sedans in black and white, late model 810 passenger limousines, and a 2003 Ford 14 passenger van. They service all the major airports, cruise ports, train stations, bus stations, casinos, and concert venues. Plan that special night out for almost any event. They offer any point-to-point transportation in the Northeast area. That's Town Car Travel. Check them out on the web at towncartravel.com or give them a call at 508-678-5500. That's Town Car Travel, 508-678-5500. Or if you're in Rhode Island, 401-662-6956. That's Town Car Travel, 508-678-5500 or 401-662-6956. That's Town Car Travel and the next time you arrive, you'll arrive in style. Vintage Barn, your number one party headquarters for the South Coast. With over a hundred different selections of beer and hundreds of wines and spirits to choose from, the Vintage Barn is your only choice when planning a party. Come by and see them on Route 6 in Swansea, across from Building 19. For the area's best selection of wine, beer, and liquor, there's no other place than the Vintage Barn. The cold weather doesn't mean you have to stop working out. Exercise at a four-star facility that's close to work and is open 365 days a year. The Capital Club. The Capital Club Fitness Center is located in the Weston Hotel in downtown Providence and offers treadmills with personal TVs built in, an indoor pool and jacuzzi, and eucalyptus steam rooms. Get top-of-the-line strength and conditioning equipment in classes ranging from Pilates to boot camp at the Capital Club. Quarterly memberships start at just $235. So stop by the Capital Club at the Weston Hotel in Providence and ask Tammy to customize a program for you. together with the gang or garden fresh crispy salads the ground round is the place are you hungry for a heaping platter of great barbecue baby back ribs at great prices a thick juicy steak or an outstanding burger how about delicious sizzling fajitas it's all at the ground round it's a kickback with your friends gathering place or a perfect night out with the whole family and always more for your money the ground round come on in and tell us what you feel like today now featuring our sizzling chicken, beef, and shrimp fajitas starting at 9.49. Hi, this is Ian Pryor from AM1320 The Drive. We here at AM1320 have all of our printing projects as well as our signs and banners done at McZip the Printer and Signs. McZip the Printer and Signs. Whether it's full color process printing, spot color, or black and white, McZip can do it all. Whatever your taste, whatever your budget, McZip the Printer and Signs can design and produce the finished projects that your company needs. From simple forms to dynamic full color advertising pieces, it's all possible at McZip the Printer and Signs. McZip the Printer and Signs. McZip also offers graphic design 
bindery, as well as direct mail. Head to McZip today at 1100 Social Street in Winsocket, Rhode Island. You can also give them a call at 401-765-5833. Again, that's 401-765-5833. You can also check out their website at www.mczip.com. It's all possible at McZip, the printer and sign. It's lacrosse season, and NK Sports in North Kingstown, Rhode Island, is the place to go for all your equipment needs. Located at 6180 Post Road, NK Sports is offering great deals on men's and women's lacrosse equipment. For only $109.99, you can get the men's lacrosse package, which includes an STX stick, elbow pads, and shoulder pads. The women's lacrosse package starts at $99.99 and includes an STX stick, goggles, and bag. NK Sports also offers top-of-the-line hockey gear with names like CCM, Jofa, and Coho. Best of all, every ski, snowboard, and hockey item is now 35% off. For all your sporting needs, stop by NK Sports at 6180 Post Road in North Kingstown, Rhode Island. You can also give them a call at 401-398-0592. NK Sports, they've got it all. And now, back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Joining me now is Tom Yowds from New Jersey. Uh, writer for MLSFan.net and also the creator of MLSLatest.com. Tom, can you hear me? Uh, Tom, can you hear me? All right, I guess we lost them. Uh, <laughs> we, we were going to be talking about the Metro Stars game in which the Metro Stars tied Kansas City 2-2 on two late goals from Sergio Galvin Ray. Kansas City was up 2 nothing in the first half, and then the Metro Stars came back to tie it with Sergio Galvin Ray, who was touted as the king of goals when they when the Metro Stars signed him, but really didn't do much the first season. And and re- really, the Galvin Ray was expected a lot out of him. He didn't do much this year. He got off, he didn't do much in the first game either. But this game, he really worked hard and he got two goals, so that was impressive. And re- really, the team, the Metro Stars, they're undefeated, but they're in last place. So two ties—that's what they get you in this league. And uh, the Metro Stars had a week off, and and that that's what happened. So, luckily they managed to come back and tie it 2-2, the Rebs' big rivals, but touted in last place despite the undefeated record. Tom, can you hear me now? Uh, yeah. So, what what did you think of uh, the Metro Stars' performance last week, and do you think the week off was partly to blame for their slow start? Uh, you know, uh, week off early in the season isn't good for any team because, you know, you want to come in and get home wins. But it gave us a chance to rest. We had a few injuries, so... You know, you can't really blame the week off. We didn't play, uh, you know, the best we could, but we got the tie, so. And Kansas City, I think, actually had a week off, too. Uh, they they had the same excuse, I guess. So uh, did the Metro Stars, you know, if they played any games in the week off just to keep game fit, or did they just continue practicing and had no games? Uh, I believe they did play a game over the weekend, and they've obviously been practicing, and some of the players thought it was a good idea to have a week off, but none of them really wanted to uh, get a week off this early in the season. And how do you think Amado Guevara paired with Yori Jorkioff look playing together in the central midfield, and do you think the two creative players will work well together for the rest of the season? I thought it was a great matchup, really. They 
you know, they, they're similar players and they help each other out. They strung a few passes together and it made for a great uh, attacking effort by the Metro Stars. Later in the season, we'll really have to see how it goes. If they both stay uh, fully healthy, it'll be a great matchup in the midfield. I'm not really sure how Amato will uh, act having another, you know, skillful player in the midfield with him. But we'll have to see how that goes. And Yuri really at 37. Uh, do you think he'll be able to last the whole season healthy? Well, hopefully he did have an injury uh, just before season opener. Kept him out for about eight weeks, I think. And he wasn't able to make the first game. So that uh, break in the week two helped us uh, regain his fitness. Came in and got the uh, assist uh, last night. So well, maybe he can get up uh, because he uh, brings his vocal skills and, you know, He'll help the young defenders in there like Jeff Park, so that'll be good. Do you think he'll he'll be a good leader for a guy like Jeff Park and Chris Leach, who he himself hasn't been in the league that long and more experienced than Jeff Park, but do you, do you think he'll be a vocal leader in patrolling the the back line of the Metro Stars when someone like Zach Wells is in goalie who isn't very experienced when while Johnny Walker's out? Well, definitely. That's what uh, the Metros have been lacking lately. We obviously brought Pope in to try to get that experience, but I don't think he did the job well enough. Over the past two games, our defense has obviously been pretty good, so I think Jeff Agus had a big part of that, and he's going to bring his leadership to the rest of our defense, and hopefully we can get a championship with it. And uh, the, the Metro Stars, um, really, what, what position do you think that they most desperately need to upgrade to become a championship contender? Well, you know, at this point, we we have a pretty good team put together, but we'll see how it goes. Last year, we had some offensive problems, and in the off-season before this, we brought in a few players like Fabian Taylor, Cornell Glenn, Sergio Galvan Ray, obviously, and none of them seemed to get the job done. But now Sergio Galvan Ray got his two goals this weekend, so we'll see how our offense goes. If the offense goes good, I guess we can probably put our money into maybe a defender, you know, if we have some problems there. And with Galvan Ray, he was touted as the king of goals and tied into a, such a high salary, but was largely disappointed for the first season. Do you think he's improved from last year, or was last night just a fluke? Well, obviously, uh, he was a big disappointment last year. But over the season, I think he got his you know, experience with the league. At first, when he came in, he, he needed to adapt to the style of play, obviously. And, um, you know, he only got two goals in his 30 games. But hopefully the off season he did a little better, and now he came in. In week one, he uh, missed, like, a great chance that we should have got in on the breakaway. But week two, he came in. He got his two goals. It was a great performance. If he keeps it up, you know, I can see him being, like, scoring champion for our team and maybe even the MVP. And, and uh, do you expect the Metros to make any player moves before the season is over? Well, definitely. Uh, last year, we obviously brought in some players, like, early in the season, uh, we brought in all our strikers, Sabian Taylor, Cornell Glenn, like I said. And, you know, we kind of peaked too early. There was a point last year where we were first in the league, and uh, we just couldn't hold on to that. I know the coaches have expressed, um, you know, making some changes a little later in the year so we can get a run going, going into the playoffs, and that could bring us a championship. And who are the rookies that you expect to... Uh to have big years out of and other new players that on the Metro Stars who they can expect big things from now and in the future? Obviously, this year our Super Draft wasn't as uh, good as the past few years. We made a few trades last year to get some picks. 
hopefully this year I can see an outstanding year for Jeff Clark, even though he's not a rookie. He needs to step it up. You know, young players like Michael Bradley, he uh, was drafted last year, but he didn't see any time. Hopefully he can have a, you know, a good season. He played both games this year, and he looked pretty strong. Um, our big signing was obviously Yuri Jerkayov, and, you know, he came in this week. He got an assist. He, you know, he basically controlled the midfield. So hopefully he'll have a big season if he stays injury-free, and, you know, he, he can be a big asset to our team. Obviously, um, we have a new face in the defense with Carlos Mendez, and, you know, he's a young guy. He came out of Rochester. Hopefully, you know, he's looking solid so far, so maybe he can have a good team, uh, good year, rather. And, um, you know, that'll help us out a lot. And John Williniak only had three assists off last season, but he's already tallied two this year just from that last game. Do you think he's gotten better at not just creating his own goals but at setting up goals for others? Well, I think Wolniak's quality has always been the, you know, he, he always works for the ball. He, he's like the hardest working player on our team, I'd pretty much say. You know, last year we had some scoring problems, you know, not many other players besides him scored the goals, but this year Sergio was able to put the two assists away from Wolniak. So if Wolniak can work hard, he can get those assists in and, you know, other people can score too. Do you think Bob Bradley is the right coach for the Metro Stars? Obviously, his uh, first two seasons didn't go that well, but he had some great success with Chicago. Do you think he's the coach that can lead the Metro Stars to a championship? Well, in 2002, we had uh, some serious problems. We obviously missed the playoffs, and then um, we brought in Bob Bradley, you know, to turn around the team. He basically took everyone in our uh, team and just got rid of them. We brought in, like, a whole new team. Obviously, start of 2003, we aimed for a young team and uh, came in, got young guys, and you know he built up a team. Unfortunately, we uh, we did lose to the Revs though, first round, so that happens. And you know we made a few more changes in 2004, but we missed. We got into the playoffs, but then we fell uh, again to DC, but they went on to win. So you know we'll have to see how that goes. I do think he's a great coach. Obviously. He had great success in Chicago. First year, they came into the league. He got the cup for them. He He's just a great coach to have. He's obviously the most winning coach in MLS right now. And, you know, there's not there's no one else I'd really like to see charge the Metros right now. Hopefully he can bring us some luck. Who do you see as the biggest challengers for the Eastern Conference title this year? You know, you look for teams like D.C. because obviously they uh, won the championship last year. They're always a strong team now. You know, they got Peter Nowak as a coach, and he's a great player and a coach. So he's going to bring some uh, good experience to D.C. and help them be a championship contender. And Kansas, obviously, was added to the East now. They uh, ran up for MLS Cup last year but fell to D.C. So, you know, they're probably the two favorites to get it this year. D.C. has a great offense, so it's going to be a... Pretty hard to match up when Kansas City has a, you know, their defense is pretty much solid. So they're going to be uh, big uh, challengers. But of all the other teams, I do feel New England is a strong team this year. They're going to be the ones that are, you know, a, a real challenge to the Metros this year. I do think New England's players they brought in are going to help them a lot. Speaking of uh, players you brought in, do you think uh, the Metro Stars, what position do you feel is their weakest position that would need the most work? And probably a new player. 
you know, it's got to be either our offense or our defense at this point. We we probably have our best midfield we've ever had in the history of our team. We have Amato, Yuri. You know, we got young players like Gavin, Bradley, and even McGee in the midfield. If we if we start scoring goals like we did with Sergio, we won't have a problem in the off, uh, offense. We'll see how the defense goes. Now we got Agus in, you know. The defense is looking pretty tight, but we did allow a few goals last night, so we'll see how it goes. Tell me a little about, bro, tell me a little bit about your website, MLSLatest.com, why you started it, and what your goal is with that site. Yeah, I started earlier this year, kind of like, you know, help the fans find the news they want to find. We, uh, we search over the web, obviously, for news articles about MLS. We're, we try to provide the latest, you know, up-to-date news about MLS. You know, it's, there's not many sites around where you can actually get a good, credible source. So we, uh, we search around the web, find articles, you know, post them up, and other people can visit them. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again some another time. Okay, thanks. Bye. Now I have a clip from Steve Rawson on his experience with the U.S. national team. He played for the national team a couple months ago and earned man of the match honors against Guatemala and also saw some time in the big match against Azteca and Azteca against Mexico that the U.S. lost. How was your experience going with the U.S. national team to stadium like Azteca and playing against Mexico? It was awesome. Uh, it was definitely, you know, the biggest stage I've played on in Azteca's uh, you know, historic stadium and uh, you know, playing in front of 100,000 fans who hated you, was, uh, it was pretty fun. And how was your experience against Guatemala and uh, Alabama playing for a whole game and earning man of the match? It was a great experience. Obviously, it's an honor every time you play for the national team, but to be able uh, to help the team win and, and score a goal is, uh, is just a great feeling. And uh, you know, to be able to help the team get three points and, and move, move forward and qualifying is, is very special. How does the experience with the national team help you become a better player in MLS and with the Revs? Well, obviously, I mean, every time you play against and, and with great players, it's going to make you better. And uh, just the pace of the game is a lot faster. When you come back here, you feel really sharp. And uh, I'm just I'm looking forward to being a part of this team and being on the, I, you know, I really haven't been a part of this team this whole preseason. I've been away, and I've only been here a week or so. So it feels nice to be back and, and to be able to, to be with these guys. And what are the disadvantages and advantages of being with the national team but missing the team's preseason preparation? Well, I think you can see in the first, you know, 20, 30 minutes of our game the other night that, you know, it was kind of a new experience. I mean, you didn't really know what to expect. You haven't been with the guys at all, so um, we start off a little sluggish, a little slow. And uh, I think after that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you kind of get, get in the flow of things. Um, and just, you know, I think from the coach's standpoint, too, if you miss four or five starters, you know, it's difficult to prepare. But um, I think we did a pretty good job. Do you think this team has what it takes to make it to the MLS Cup final? Right? Yeah, I, I, I definitely believe so. I think we have experience now. We've, we've been together for a few years. They're pretty much a core group of guys. Um, we have a mix of youth and of, uh, youth in and some experience. So we have a lot of talent. We're well coached, and uh, I, I definitely think we, we can get to the Cup and win it. Now we're on every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. on WARL 1320 The Drive, and as well as on the Internet. And archives are available at revolutionrecap.com. You can get the latest Revs news at anyrevs.com and the latest MLS news at mlsfan.net. Before I go, I'd like to thank Sean O'Shaughnessy for running the boards here this week and every week. He does a great job.